Tonight, an arrest in a student stabbing spree that terrified an Idaho campus and puzzled police for weeks. The four victims. Ethan, Zena, Madison, and Kaylee. And the prime suspect who studied criminology. With time, we will heal. Death, detention, or deportation. It is heartbreaking, and one has to ask, where is the humanity? The push to protect vulnerable Afghans in Pakistan as their amnesty runs out. Plus, survivor and steward of the North. It's not for his grandchildren, it's for the generations to come. The lasting legacy of Charlie Snowshoe, the great defender of the Arctic. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Heather Butts. Good evening. On this final Friday of 2022, we begin with breaking news. Barbara Walters, trailblazing broadcaster and anchor, has died at age 93. She spent her career constantly moving, then shattering that glass ceiling for women in an industry dominated by men at two different American networks, NBC and ABC, where she was the first female anchor on an evening news program, co-host of the magazine show 2020, and of course, The View. From the bottom of my heart to all of you with whom I have worked and to all of you who have watched and been at my side for so many years, I can say thank you. Thank you. She retired in 2014 after a career that spanned five decades, 12 Emmys and countless other awards for her grit and glamour, for her celebrity interviews and classic Barbara Walters specials. And in an American true crime story that has traumatized a college community, a major development today. 47 days since four University of Idaho students were stabbed to death in their beds, there's been an arrest. A 28-year-old suspect with a history of studying the criminal mind. One victim's family expressed relief this chapter is over. CTV's John Venevalli Rao begins tonight with how the manhunt ended. It was here in Pennsylvania's Pocono Mountains that police tracked down and arrested accused killer Brian Koberger, some 4,000 kilometers from the rental home he allegedly broke into, stabbing to death these University of Idaho students, likely as they slept. This has been a very difficult time for the families, the university, the community, and the state of Idaho. Police won't yet say if the accused and the victims knew each other, adding only after Koberger's appeared in an Idaho court can they release more information. The Pennsylvania native had been pursuing a Ph.D. in criminology at Washington State University, just 15 kilometers from the murder scene. No arrest will ever bring back these young students. The grisly murders almost seven weeks ago rocked the University of Idaho campus and the small college town of Moscow, which hadn't dealt with a murder in seven years triggering a wave of fear, some students opting to finish the semester remotely, as people prayed the killer would not strike again. Police say they received 19,000 tips, conducted 300 interviews, and were assisted by the FBI. Reportedly, DNA evidence played a role in the investigation. This man says he was Koberger's running partner about a decade ago. I would have never thought something like this would be accused of him. Earlier this year, a Brian Koberger took to Reddit, linking to a survey asking criminals to anonymously offer insights on their decision-making. 
The Daily Mail reports it had questions like, why did you approach the victim over others? And while committing the crime, what were you thinking or feeling? Police had been looking for a white Hyundai spotted near the victim's home. One was found at Koberger's location. We are still looking for the, the weapon. With police asking anyone who may have information about the accused to come forward. With time, we will heal. We will move forward together. Koberger will appear in a Pennsylvania court on Tuesday with authorities in Idaho hoping he'll soon be extradited, at which point they can provide more details. Heather. All right, John. And in Hamilton, Ontario tonight, there is an investigation into a tragic house fire that has killed four people, including two children. It also left this townhouse completely gutted. It's just a horrible, tragic scene that happened. And uh, when one of them was trying to jump, we heard little kids' voices in the background saying, save us. Investigators say there were no working smoke alarms inside the home, and neighbors report it was a mother and her two kids who died along with another tenant. I just want peace for those kids, and I want them, everyone to know how beautiful they really were. Two other adults were taken to hospital in stable condition. The Ontario police officer shot dead this week in the line of duty will be memorialized in his hometown of Barrie on Wednesday. A public funeral is expected. And while the motive hasn't been nailed down, there was opportunity. One of the suspects was out on bail at the time. And today, the Conservative leader joined the chorus calling for reform. CTV's Kevin Gallagher reports. Hundreds lined the procession route as Constable Greg Prashala's body was taken back to his hometown. Talking to his, his platoon mates and his training officer, was a ball of life, hugest heart you'll ever see. And uh, we're all stumbling today, we've got broken hearts. One of the two people charged in his death was out on bail for previous assault and weapons charges. The system did not work here. Uh, the accused was wanted for months. It should have never come to this, and that's why we're committed to working with all levels of law enforcement. As the federal government considers bail reform, Heads up. official opposition leader Pierre Polyev blamed the prime minister for being too lenient on crime. So conservatives are calling on the Trudeau government to reverse its catch and release bail policy to allow for prisoners who have been arrested after a long rap sheet of previous offenses for violent crimes and we believe that they should stay in jail until their trial is complete. You ever feel like everything's broken in Canada? A method of attack Polyev is using against the government on everything from the opioid crisis to recent travel chaos at airports to children's medication shortages. This is how everything operates with Justin Trudeau. You've got 2.1 million people waiting for their immigration application. You've got people still waiting 10 months for a passport. In an interview with CTV chief anchor Omar Sachedina airing tomorrow, Justin Trudeau says this is overly pessimistic. I'm not going to tell you, yeah, Canada's broken because it's because you're facing a tough time. I'm going to tell you, you know what? We can improve this together. We can fix it together. Your government's going to be there. Polyev also says the government's gun control efforts are failing, pointing to an increase in gang violence since 2015, as the Liberals are promising tougher measures next year. Heather, Kevin Gallagher in Ottawa. Thanks, Kevin. And tomorrow night, you can watch that conversation with the Prime Minister. It starts at 7 o'clock on CTV.
The political divide in America is further laid bare tonight by the disclosure of Donald Trump's tax returns. CTV's Vanessa Lee on his questionable finances revealed today by a congressional committee. They're the documents Donald Trump fought to keep secret. Now six years of his tax returns are casting doubt on his billionaire credentials. In some years, Trump paid substantial federal taxes. In others, little or nothing. During the year of his 2016 presidential campaign, he reported a net loss of $32 million, paying just $750 in income tax. The same for 2017, contradicting his own claims. Will you tell us how much you paid in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017? Millions of dollars. This is someone who has made a real effort at saying he represents the average American, you know, the, the regular working person. Um, someone who, you know, is a billionaire who doesn't pay any taxes doesn't really look like that. The returns also reveal business dealings in almost two dozen foreign countries during his time in the Oval Office, including Canada, India, the United Arab Emirates, and even a bank account in China. This is a great day for both China and the United States. Even though past presidents have made their tax returns public, Trump refused, waging a legal battle all the way to the Supreme Court. It's so sad for our country. It's nothing but another deranged political witch hunt, which has been going on from the day I came down the escalator in Trump Tower. In a statement, the 76-year-old says the returns show how successful he has been and warns the public release will now deepen the political divide. Heather. CTV's Vanessa Lee in Washington, where tonight the U.S. State Department is closely monitoring the Russia-China alliance. That revelation follows a video meeting today between Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping with promises of military cooperation. In Kyiv, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said today they're holding their own against the Russians in eastern Donbass region. And in a cathedral not far from Zelensky's office, this funeral for a soldier who died on the battlefield belies the risk. Both sides have kept a tight lid on military casualties, but at a field hospital in Donetsk, doctors today treated wounded Ukrainian troops brought in from the front line. For vulnerable Afghans at the back of the line, their misery is magnified tonight by a looming deadline in Pakistan and ominous moves by the Taliban. BC Bureau Chief Melanie Neji explains. In Afghanistan, a sense of helplessness hangs over the lives of women. There are bans on their clothing, movement, education, and now where they work. A total ban of females working for international organizations. This is devastating news. On Christmas Eve, the Taliban cracked down on women working for aid groups. For Amina, losing her job is disastrous. My husband is sick and can't work, she says. How will we survive? Without essential female staff, some NGOs have suspended operations, increasing the risk millions may be left without food, health care and other critical services. Humanitarian needs of the people are absolutely enormous. As the Taliban hacks away at freedoms, people continue to flee. 
with many flooding into neighboring Pakistan where they face new hardships, such as deteriorating conditions in camps they're forced to live in. In this video sent to CTV, blurred to protect people, a seriously ill little girl is slumped on the floor. Medication, water and food are all difficult to get. And there's another threat. Despite an amnesty set to expire tomorrow, Afghan nationals have been targeted by Pakistani police conducting raids and arresting anyone without valid travel papers, including women and children. It's really inexplicable why these neighboring countries are treating Afghans this way, uh, given the conditions that Afghans are fleeing. This week in Karachi, more than a thousand were detained. Officials say if proper documents are not provided, they'll be deported to Afghanistan. They're really between a rock and a hard place. Um, that Pakistani authorities will say, get proper paperwork, but that's almost impossible. Today, the federal government said Pakistan recently indicated it wouldn't arrest people fleeing the Taliban, and it's working on the safe passage of Canada-bound Afghan refugees. Heather? And we'll be watching for that. Thanks, Mel. After the break, the man labeled the king of toxic masculinity. Welcome to a new episode of The Clown Show. The takedown of Andrew Tate after he was shut down by Greta Thunberg. Plus, this is not your average stray prowling the neighborhood. In a small community near Nanaimo, British Columbia tonight, this cougar is prowling the neighborhood. Conservation officials are trying to relocate the footloose feline, but first, they have to trap it. Self-proclaimed misogynist Andrew Tate is caught in a trap of his own making. He started the week trolling climate activist Greta Thunberg. Tonight, he is behind bars in Bucharest. CTV's Annie Bergeron Oliver explains. First, his home was raided as part of a stealth overnight operation that included the seizure of guns, knives and cash. Then, Andrew Tate was cuffed by Romanian police. Why did the police search your car? The controversial social media personality and former kickboxer, known for his hate speech and for being kicked off a reality TV show, was detained in connection with an investigation into organized human trafficking and rape. His brother and two others were also detained. The four suspects appear to have created an organized crime group with the purpose of recruiting, housing and exploiting women by forcing them to create pornographic content meant to be seen on specialized websites for cost, police said in a statement. Tate's ultra-luxurious lifestyle and videos promoting misogynistic comments have created a large and local following, especially among men. They want you to do what they need you to do. But views, including saying women should bear responsibility for being sexually assaulted, have had him banned from several digital platforms. Look, the real threat of this highly offensive, controversial content being amplified on social media is that when young men see it and again and again and again, it becomes normal to them. Tate's most recent video, posted Wednesday, is still gaining traction. I'm actually mad at Greta. Right? Because she doesn't realize she's been programmed. She doesn't... The video at more than 16 million views, the latest in a public spat. What you can talk about? The teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg. He's a product of social media, a creature of social media, like trolls, anti-vaxxers, people like that. Tonight, a Romanian court extended Tate's detention from 24 hours to 30 days, but his lawyers are appealing. Annie Bergeron Oliver, CTV News, London. Andrew Tate is also against vaccine mandates, and he has like-minded allies in Canada. 
still ahead tonight. When the convoy came to town and refused to leave. In our countdown of the top 10 stories of the year, we are at number two tonight. The demonstration that started as a distraction then became a disruption in the nation's capital. Here's CTV's senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor on the convoy. As it pulled onto the Trans-Canada Highway, the massive scale of the convoy was clear, fueled by diesel and millions of dollars in donations through crowdfunding sites. To protest, they said, not just vaccination requirements for truck drivers crossing the Canada-U.S. border. This is all mandates, restaurant closures, uh, the shot, anything to do with that. But support among truckers was not universal. I don't want to associate with crazies, because that's all I see. There's just a bunch of people with nothing better to do. As the convoy arrived in Ottawa, police were receptive, even helpful, telling drivers where to park. An estimated 18,000 people turned out on a jubilant first day in the deep cold. A small few with swastikas, Confederate flags, and stars of David. You don't think it might be offensive to some people you wearing that? It is not. In the first week, it became clear the protesters weren't going to leave. Our departure will be based on the Prime Minister doing what is right, ending all mandates and restrictions on our freedoms. Early support for the convoy came from a string of Conservative politicians. Current leader Pierre Poiliev delivered coffee and donuts. Their opposition to the Trudeau government echoed on the streets. The constant barrage of truck horns, music and fireworks chafed on the nerves of people who live and work downtown. I lost my mind because I haven't slept in five days. Until one resident obtained a court injunction against the honking. It is quite literally torturous to us. But the party kept going. The Terry Fox statue was festooned with protest signs. The war memorial used as a toilet. The Prime Minister ignored protesters' demands for a meeting. We won't give in to those who fly racist flags. The convoy dug in with saunas, hot tubs and bouncy castles for the many children believed to be living in the trucks. Restocked by a steady supply of fuel shuttled in while Ottawa police mostly watched. Their embattled chief admitted he didn't have the resources to end what he called an occupation. There may not be a policing solution to this demonstration. Parallel protests sprung up at the border crossings in Coots, Alberta and Windsor, Ontario, choking off a key supply line for the auto industry and risking tens of millions of dollars of trade every day. Some protesters doubled down on their demand for the Prime Minister to resign to let them set COVID rules. I'm willing to sit at a table with the Conservatives and the NDP and the Bloc as a coalition. Ontario declared an emergency and provincial police moved to clear the Ambassador Bridge. But even with backup from other police forces, still no action to remove the trucks in Ottawa. Then in Coots, the RCMP discovered an alarming cache of weapons and ammunition not far from the protest site, leading to charges against four men for conspiracy to commit murder. On February 14th, the Prime Minister decided to exercise an extraordinary power. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act. Temporarily giving law enforcement broad new powers, including the ability to freeze bank accounts. Four days later, the police moved in, taking back a key intersection, then reclaiming Parliament Hill. Hold the line! Hold the line! Key leaders of the Freedom Convoy movement arrested. One woman was knocked over by mounted police, but the trucks were cleared with no major injuries and no fatalities. Still, the Freedom Movement continued. Ottawa police were better prepared for a follow-up protest called Rolling Thunder. 
and for Canada Day. The use of the Emergencies Act triggered an automatic public inquiry. Protest leaders insisted their occupation of Ottawa was just. I have the tears of thousands of Canadians on my shoulder who every day told me that we were bringing them hope. The Prime Minister, though, resolute in his decision to invoke the law for the first time in its history. I am absolutely, absolutely serene and confident um, that I made the right choice. Commissioner Paul Rouleau's report on the use of the Emergencies Act will be released by February 20th, the same date some protesters are planning to return to the national capital for Freedom Convoy 2.0. Glenn McGregor, CTV News. Ottawa. And up next in our final Indigenous Circle of the Year, we have a profile of Charlie Snowshoe, elder and protector of the planet. We end this newscast by honouring elder and knowledge keeper Charlie Snowshoe. He died this week at age 88 after a life devoted to protecting the land of his people. With tonight's Indigenous Circle, here's CTV's Atlantic Bureau Chief, Kreesan Ashkate. Like many Gwich'in people in the Northwest Territories, Charlie Snowshoe was raised to live off the land as a hunter and trapper. Always instilled in us to take care of the land. Despite being forced to attend residential school in Fort McPherson, Snowshoe never lost his identity and connection to the land. Becoming a strong voice for the North as Vice President of the Indian Brotherhood and a mayor of his home community, while always putting family first. Always feeling loved, um, always feeling guidance from him. He had such a profound impact. This Grand Chief says he spoke out against climate change before it became a global conversation. The more he heard about it, the more he would say it's not climate change, it's man-made change. He pushed multi-million dollar Gwich'in land claims to the forefront with the federal government. Natural gas from the Mackenzie Dollar. And united the people against the now abandoned Mackenzie Valley Pipeline. That's what I call strength. That's what I call power. Later in life, he was awarded for his leadership and always gave back to his community. At 88 years old, his daughter says his last wish was granted to spend his final moments with the ones he loved most. To be home with his family, and I'm so honoured that he had, he was there with us and surrounded by family. A self-taught leader who paved the way for so many and put his people first. Chris Nachkate, CTV News, Halifax. What a wonderful life. And that is our newscast for this Friday night. I'm Heather Butts for Omar Sachedina and all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night, and I'll see you again tomorrow.